If you're a Muslim, the chances are you know that praying is one of the most important words of Islam as it's one of the five pillars and also it's something that we have to do every day and that too five times a day. But with that, it is actually something that is really, really difficult to establish and then also to then maintain. I'm here today to talk about four Muslim mindsets that we can change and add to our life to help us with praying. Let's get right into it, guys. Assalamu alaikum, guys, and welcome back to another episode of The Word Affairs. I'm here today with a really, really nice, good, juicy episode regarding something that is so important to us and should form a very big part of our everyday lives, schedules, and routines. Now, I hope you've all had an amazing week. I have had a really incredibly intense week. Um, I would honestly say that this was probably the most stressful week I've had in such a long time it it went by literally in the blink of an eye but as well as that Allahumabarik like it's just been so good in the sense that the you know the the things I had to do the structures the routines everything like that every single day it was literally like being on my feet and I'm really grateful for that as well because sometimes we just need those type of weeks where we're just constantly busy so then we can relax and enjoy that later on but as we were going through this week there was something that I kept thinking about consistently and I thought that no matter how busy your day is no matter how many things you've got to get done and ticked off your to-do list and no matter how many um, tasks that you're kind of weighed down by you still always almost have to make sure that you have got to complete your prayers now if you are not a Muslim this episode may seem as if it's alienating you however I strongly believe that we as a nation of humans in general can learn from other people's experiences so if you aren't a muslim i totally understand that this episode is about praying especially in the islamic sense and that may not relate to you however when it comes to mindset shifts and when it comes to changing your lifestyle i do definitely think that we can implement anything from any type of um aspect in life with that so yeah just stick around and let's get right into it like I said at the beginning um so essentially the first thing that I think about praying is the fact that we've got to do it five times a day yet having said that it is still an incredibly difficult task at times praying itself and actually physically praying is not that hard now making wudu sometimes is the first kind of like hurdle that you come across sometimes through laziness you feel like you just don't want to get up you don't want to go sometimes due to your routine of the day and how you structured it so for example you may have got up and got ready got dressed etc for women you may have put makeup on and you're like oh if I go to do wudu my wudu is going to be incomplete and so I need to take my makeup off and stuff like this it really affects that and also a lot of times sometimes you may be out so at work, for example, you may find it very difficult to do with you, et cetera, et cetera. That's the very first hurdle. If you pass that hurdle, the next thing that you have to encounter is actually, you know, praying. So you may uh, struggle with the time. You may uh, think you can't pray right now because you've got a certain duty or shift pattern at, at school or work. Um, and when you are then praying, you may struggle with koshu, keeping that focus, keeping that attention on the prayer and not letting your mind wander or get it distracted. There are so many many different things that actually kind of like play into the the factor of praying and it can make for a bit of a concoction where you're just like oh you may be struggling with praying for many many different reasons 
and quite often if you there were two people or three four people in the in a room and they were talking about their experiences praying maybe not all of them would have the same experience because they all may have problems with praying or they may be struggling with it for different types of reasons just like the ones I explained however I was thinking about this and I was thinking about the way that we can start shifting our mindset to help us with these things so I have thought of four Muslim mindsets for prayer that will help us in the sense of shifting our focus shifting the way we think and changing it and helping us to alter the way that we perceive prayer to make it easier for us the very first one is and this is going to sound so if anything um so simple but there's a lot that goes into it number one the first muslim mindset for prayer is starting to change the way you think about it you did not pray five times a day allah allowed you to pray five times a day now this was something that took me a very long time to grasp and sometimes you fall back into the pitfall of it sometimes you're like oh yeah like i've, I've got the hang of it and i realized this for a very long time when i was like okay cool like you know say like i'm praying five times a day now um i would then think yeah okay cool like i'm doing that like that's amazing now that was not enough because i started to slowly realize how what is the quality of my prayer um did i have khushu was my evolution correct um did i did i read that surah properly etc etc but what also sometimes happens is you may be praying perfectly normal and then you may miss a prayer and you're like I've never done that before or I haven't done that in a long time why did that happen now sometimes you can go through periods where you're not praying or you're struggling to pray entirely and it's really difficult and the bottom line is there's a big guilt attached to that because you know that it's one of your duties you know that that is essentially the one of the pillars of Islam and also it's literally one of the very first things you're going to be questioned about when you go into your grave okay and i was listening to and i'm going to credit her here because credit is where it's due um if you guys don't know who she is her name is homie and homie on instagram and tiktok specifically she i've probably spoke about her before she was um and she still is an influencer a content creator as such but her journey throughout islam has been absolutely transcendental like she's just oh like she has literally revolutionized the way she is but not to say that as if the first time when she first came onto these platforms she was someone completely different or she wasn't good enough that's not what we're trying to say but rather the way that her journey changed with islam and subhanallah like i think that that was just so gorgeous so if you don't know who she is like i said she's a tiktoker she's a uh, or um, rather an influencer she's very much present on influence uh, instagram um platforms now but uh, back when she first started she used to like make your classic average like desi tiktoks you could say and then she was always a hijabi and everything and then very slowly she kind of like changed over and now she's actually um she doesn't show like her full face on social media she's like a full-time wears a buyer sometimes she wears in the club um she's actually a mother now of one son and um she is actually um doing quran hifs like she's literally like um memorizing the uh, quran and alongside having a very a newborn son as well 
but she talked about this in a recent video that she uploaded to instagram and i definitely recommend you to check it out because she could do a better attempt of explaining it than i did um but she talked about how she used to struggle with prayer because there would be a period where she was praying or she was struggling to pray all five times and then when she did she would you know go to her mom or she'd tell someone like oh yeah like i'm praying five times now or she'd be like oh yes like i'm one of those people that pray five times a day now that is what she's saying and immediately when she'd either tell someone about it or she'd say that she would then start struggling with prayer again and she would stop uh, praying or it, it would be affected in in one way or the other and she had to change her focus because then she realized hang on yes she's the one who's praying it but that decision is actually this is what i think is so crazy about prayer because we think it's a simple act that you just do that's not necessarily true it's about whether allah invited you to pray that prayer and she changed her mindset into saying that she didn't pray but Allah allowed her to pray and the reason for that is because quite often we know in Islam as well say for example because of some sins that you may have committed etc your heart could have been hardened this is why sometimes you may come across people who perhaps don't get as emotional about things or they struggle to feel that emotional attachment or connection to the religion or you know that peace you could say um, and now that is you know for everyone because not everyone goes through like a linear journey we always talk about this we always talk about how life is not a linear journey journey and it's the same way uh religion isn't a linear journey as well so there could be times when you're not feeling that and there could be times when you're feeling incredibly emotionally overwhelmed um and the bottom line is that sometimes Allah hardens your heart because he doesn't actually want to hear from you and subhanAllah like that could happen because we don't know what it might have been that we've done and the best thing to do in those moments is to make istighfar and actually genuinely pray for forgiveness because you don't know what it is that you could be punished for because when you think about it prayer is essentially a gift as well Allah does not need our prayer we're the ones who need Allah so therefore we connect to him in the form of prayer and we can connect to him in any form but mostly as well in the form of prayer and so you have to remember that it's not the fact that you're like oh yeah like I'm praying no you're not doing Allah a favor Allah has actually allowed you to pray one of the things that I think are very very um kind of like fundamental to your du'as as well is another thing you can kind of like introduce into your du'as is if you are really intent on praying and you know you want it to become easier for you make du'a for it literally turn around to Allah and say ya Allah allow me to pray allow me to pray five times a day ya Allah allow me to wake up for fajr ya Allah allow me to complete all of my five prayers with the correct form of wudu with the correct form of khushu ya Allah make sure that I do not miss a prayer you are asking Allah for his permission to do that because remember we're not entitled we're not entitled to life we're not entitled to things like this Allah actually blesses us with everything and that too prayer is actually a form of that blessing so change your mindset from I didn't you know change it from the fact that you didn't pray or rather it wasn't that oh i prayed today it's rather allah allowed me to pray and with that it's then also giving allah that gratitude of being grateful towards allah with the fact that allah actually invited you to pray that and you didn't miss your prayer because allah wanted to hear from you and allah gave you the permission to speak to him as well so that was one mindset shift that i kind of like formulated especially for this new year and it's been so good in the sense where i'm like you know what it's so true when you really sit down and think about it allah allows you to pray because he wants to hear from you and therefore i've got permission from allah to actually worship him as well in a sense where yes we are supposed to be worshiping worshiping him on every element that we are on this earth for when it comes to praying five times and being very very good with that Allah is giving you that blessing as well so that's something to really keep into into account for that number two the second mindset change for prayer is no matter what 
sin you commit still pray this is probably a mindset shift that we have seen all over social media you've probably heard it from mufti mank you've probably heard it from any other type of sheikh um you've probably heard it on the internet quite a bit of times your friends may have tell you, told you the same thing but how much of it do we actually embody this is something that i think can be very testing you may be doing something wrong in your life or you may have done something that didn't please Allah you may have committed a major or a minor sin and you're very full aware of that and the guilt you feel attached to that is something that could possibly be weighing you down like a ton of bricks now because of that guilt that's weighing you down for the sin you committed you also then allow that guilt to tell you that you know what you are so unworthy you don't deserve to pray and what's the point because of what you've done Allah's not going to listen to you anyway now you have to remember that that voice isn't actually coming from you it's actually coming from the shaitan because the shaitan loves to pick on the vulnerable and he loves to pick on the people and cause overthinking so with that element as well that's also a form of overthinking we actually kind of like we i wasn't going to say self-victimized but rather we kind of like um we we talk to ourselves so negatively at times and that is another example of it but you could have been doing anything and i think i remember a sheikh talking about this as well and he said no matter what you're doing if you are smoking you still pray if you are doing drugs you still pray if you do not wear hijab you still pray if you have committed zina you still pray if you have committed some sort of theft you still pray because yes you have committed that sin you are going to be accounted for that sin regardless and you can ask for forgiveness for that sin as well but one of the ways to repent and ask for forgiveness is genuinely through prayer as well. So how are you sitting there feeling guilty about what you've just committed, but then you want to ask for forgiveness, but then you're not getting up and doing the action that will lead you to that. And the reason why we kind of like stop ourselves from doing it is literally from shaitan and also because the guilt is weighing us down. That is a guilt that you should have because whatever it is you're committing in life, whatever kind of bad you're doing, you should feel the guilt for that. That is actual some sort of self-accountability. But you shouldn't let that stop you or think what's the point like i'm so unworthy i'm not gonna pray if anything you're kind of like adding on to that sin because now you're committing the sin of not praying and it's like a negative feedback loop so you need to stop that you need to catch it where it begins you need to catch that thought and you need to start implementing some sort of action upon it and one way to do that is actually literally get up and pray if you feel like you're so guilty for what you've done a better way to do that is then as um, alongside your five daily prayers you can also pray nifles of istighfar because you know what you're doing you're accountable for that and you're aware of that you're very self-aware and so you want to ask Allah and you want to talk to him and you want to communicate him and you want to ask him for his repent well for your repentance ask him for his forgiveness towards what you've done even if you're going to commit that sin tomorrow even if you commit it the day after at least you're aware of it and you're talking to Allah and also in that action then you will then start to maybe make a pact with yourself of how to get away from that sin how to distance yourself because you know the type of negative impact it has on you with the guilt and and the feeling of shame and the feeling of you know perhaps feeling unworthy and you want to stop those type of feelings the only way you're going to stop them is if you basically disconnect yourself from the sin and one of the ways to do that is basically ask Allah for his help M ask Allah to make a way for you to get away from that it could be anything in life and the fact that you get away from it is is eventually going to then 
positively impacts your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because one of the things of a way to repent successfully is to say you're not going to go back to that sin and actually impact actually act on that and and stay away from that sin as much as possible so the second muslim mindset you need to start implementing in your life is that no matter what sin you're committing you still need to pray you absolutely have to you cannot let it slip because like we said before this is one of the very first things you are going to be asked about when you go into your grave and you can't turn around and say well i didn't pray because this sin you know i committed and i I know i committed it and i'm a bad person for that like that's why i didn't pay no because the question was specifically about prayer it wasn't a did was there anything affecting your prayer or was there any justification there was no additional tick box to that there was no additional comment section to that it's a matter of did you pray yes or no so you have to remember this and think to yourself yeah like at least i'm still going to try my best to pray in my prayers do not let the shaitan kind of overtake you that in it overtake you in that thinking um the third muslim mindset um for me personally i think that this is so powerful so powerful because it comes into one of the difficulties we have with prayer so we talked about those difficulties at the beginning and i think that this third muslim mindset shift is is so powerful in kind of like helping you with this and honestly sometimes it makes me leap out of my seat number three if you delay prayer Allah will delay the answer to your du'as. I think that this is so powerful in immediately giving you that kickstart to get out of your seat and think, nope, I need to go pray. There is so much that we want in life. As humans, we are made into such beings where we just want and want and want. What we have is never enough. And I'll give you an example. This is on a very micro scale. I recently noticed that on tiktok i especially i talk about tiktok as a big example of this because social media i think is very very impactful with doing this and and i noticed that i was very much getting easily influenced into buying things that i really didn't need i didn't need this stuff now it's so crazy that i'm talking about this now because i only just experienced this literally about 10 minutes before recording this episode and so i obviously have like two accounts on on tiktok possibly even three you could say i've got my personal private account where i just literally watch videos and i probably send them to my family or my friends and then i've got my um business account for Privé Florals if you don't know you need to check that out on Instagram and TikTok at Privé Florals the plug and so with those two accounts my business account is very much like this the for you page is very much tailored to things related to the business so flower videos floral videos content regarding that business stuff perhaps um videos that use the same sounds as me and because i aim to not use music so these sounds will also be some sort of halal sounds and therefore the video content will also be somewhat halal and um that's how it's tailored my favorites in terms of what i favorite is ideas inspiration for my business and also like to grow my own content now if i compare that to and bearing in mind i am going somewhere with this i promise you it relates to what i was saying um if i compare that to my private account and i randomly went back into my private account today just to find an old video and when i went to my favorites i pretty much had saved things that were kind of like somewhat enticing you to buy a product i had a lot of makeup related videos in there um you know this new concealer this new blush i had a lot of clothes types of related content um you know this new bag 
and this is these new shoes i loved it i love 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 looking at that stuff but also it kind of like makes me like think oh like i really want this or oh i need this so therefore i save it in my favorites to look at later on but let's all be real we never really look back at them do we um and so a lot of it was very very heavily consumerism related but it was this thing of i want I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that bag, I want those shoes, I need this book, I need that concealer, I need this um, hair Revlon, I don't know, blow dry brush thing, like all of this type of stuff, like I need, I need, I want, I want. And so then when I have been on my business account now, um, for like about about week, two weeks essentially, I've been on this business account, I've just pretty much been logged into that, I don't have any of that stuff I'm not related to any of that stuff so therefore I don't feel that as well because I don't see it but the minute I see it I want it and that's natural that's just humans as we are and nowadays you've got this concept of de-influencing where people are trying to like show you why you don't need these influential products etc but the point is that on a micro scale that is how much the the concept of want and desire has been instilled into us where we can just be scrolling and minding our own business and we see something like yeah i want that and you might put it into your um favorites or you might do an impulse purchase and you might just grab it now if you compare that to a macro scale so you're talking about a big larger scale in life we never get tired of asking for things we always want the next big job we always want the best spouse we always want um, the happiness and the wealth and the success and the health we always want 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 and if you probably think about your du'as think about just how many of your du'as are actually centered about things that you need in your life or you want to make du'a for or you want to enter into your life and so we're always wanting now when you think about that you've got the micro scale example and you've got the macro scale example both of them kind of like relate to each other and if you think about the thing that ties us down as a muslim and kind of like a detaches us from our desires which i will talk about in the fourth uh, mindset and if you talk about like all of these types of desires that we have the one of the main reasons why we even pray is first of all for repentance and to have a connection to Allah and also for Allah to answer our du'as and as humans a lot of our du'as are centered around things that we need or want now if you delay your prayer Allah's going to delay the answer to your du'a so what that means is that first of all we know that delaying your prayer is not necessarily a good thing it's okay in the instance of an emergency or if it really had to be delayed or you genuinely couldn't pray at that time but to make this into an everyday kind of like pattern or routine is very very negative and if anything it's also also been told to us to not actually get into that part and it's very um recommended against doing that and that also means like you you can't really leave your asr prayer to the last 10 minutes even though we've all done it at one point um, and then you know pray maghrib as well because it's just right there it's a very bad habit to kind of like get out of but it's one that we should get out of regardless because you're delaying your prayer now um if you're going to delay your prayer allah's going to delay the answer to your dua as well so if you're then praying and then asking allah for all of these things that you want and you desire think about how long allah may take to answer that because remember you didn't exactly prioritize Allah. So why is Allah going to prioritize your du'a? Now, obviously, there could be a different answer to your du'a. There could be different things. We're not saying Allah's going to say no to your du'a. We're just saying he's going to delay. He might delay. Now, sometimes that delay could be a good thing. It might be the delay that you actually needed. But a lot of the times as well, when we're praying, we have to be very careful about how do we view prayer? Because the way we view prayer is the way that Allah will view us. And if we 
view it as something that's not a priority and doesn't need praying immediately when the when the time comes then how is Allah going to feel about that because if we pray if anything we're worshipping Allah so why are we delaying our worship towards Allah is that not very literally the only reason we are on earth for to literally worship Allah and to basically pass this test of life so why are we taking so long in doing that you've got to think of these types of things and that kind of like mindset shift is going to allow you to change how you view and perceive prayer this mindset shift that i started to think about about how if i delay prayer and then allah's gonna answer, delay the answer to my dars immediately sometimes even makes me just rock it up from my chair and literally like right okay let me just go pray like literally eight times out of ten i've probably got wudu but i'm like oh but let me just quickly do this let me just let me just quickly like answer this let me quickly just file this like these type of types of mini mini tasks they're taking up more time and then i'm like oh yeah but let me just quickly just do this whilst i've done that and before you know it it's like a it's like a spiraling effect now i've delayed my prayer but like then i'm worried because i'm like oh i took too long in whilst i'm doing this now i've not got enough time left to pray so now i'm rushing my prayer so it's all got negative impacts towards it sometimes obviously very naturally there are times when we have to delay our prayer so for example when you're at work and I don't know, let's say uh, Zohar was at half 12 and Asr is going to be at 2.15 and then you only got a break at 2 p.m. So you quickly need to pray uh, Zohar before you can pray Asr. Now, that was the only time you had your break. So you had to pray it during then. That is, of course, understandable. But when you're intentionally delaying it for no reason, that's when it becomes problematic. And that's something that we really need to try our level best to stop because it's honestly such a, it's such an innocent trap to fall into. It's such a harmless trap to fall into but it's something that if we really don't pay a lot of attention to it can go down into a negative effect now that is the very reason why you need to stop delaying your prayers because obviously remember you're praying to Allah to worship him you're praying for your repentance and you're also praying to ask Allah to answer your du'as now you've got to think about it when do you want that answer if you're the first person to rush to pray to Allah you're prioritizing him in such a way that is needed and required and that is what you do with your worship as well you're therefore going to be you're going to be prioritizing your worship and therefore it's a positive feedback system the third muslim mindset shift is that if you delay prayer Allah will delay the answer to your du'as and this will help us in aiming to pray our prayers on time the fourth muslim mindset that we have is five times a day you are called by allah to cleanse yourself now this i love this quite often we think to ourselves and this is how i started the podcast as well when i was talking about it we think yeah praying is a third it's a third and i've got to do it it's it's a pillar of islam i have to do this yeah that's true that's not that's not a lie that's true 100 percent. but also it's more than that it's way way more than that praying is not just a way for us to essentially complete that third that we have and to complete that worship that we have it's also almost somewhat of a purification system and it starts right from the beginning of when you make wudu it is said that if you say Bismillahirrahmanirrahim before you complete your wudu, the minute, anytime you, um, uh, when, while you're doing your wudu, anytime any water falls off your body, in that droplet, like you are losing those sins. So if I washed my face and droplets fall off my face of water, the sins that I committed with my eyes, the sins that I committed with my mouth, those are going to be forgiven. The same thing when I wash my ears, the same thing when I wash my hands, the same thing when I wash my feet. Everything like that, it's a way of basically asking for forgiveness. Wudu in a way of itself is a form of worship too. 
Now, second of all, when you then decide to start praying and you're like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, lay down the prayer mat, I'm gonna start praying. You remember this very carefully as well. We sometimes think it's so difficult to attain to five times a day. However, there was a time before that when the Prophet Muhammad completed his miraculous journey to the heavens. Um, we were told we had to pray like 50 times a day and then the, the amount got slight, you know, shortened more and more than that. To the point where when it was shortened to five times a day, Musa salam told the Prophet, go back to Allah and ask Allah to shorten it. Your people won't be able to do it. And the Prophet turned around and said, no, my people are going to do that. The Prophet had faith in us that we can basically attain to five times a day. So if anything, if the Prophet had that faith in us and Allah has that faith in us, why are we not doing it? It's really difficult to sometimes think of it in this way. But in terms of this mindset shift, remember that Allah, I said that Allah is basically giving you a chance to be cleansed, okay? Now, when you're praying, every time you pray, you will mostly be asking for your repentance as well and you're worshipping Allah. But think of it this way as well. When you stand on that prayer mat, you are literally detaching yourself from the dunya. You are literally standing on the prayer mat and you're saying, this is my 10 minutes with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that nobody can interfere with. When you are praying, you don't listen to what's going around you. When someone's walking past and they say your name, you're not going to break your prayer to answer them. You're not going to be praying halfway and before you go into sujood, you're going to be checking your um, your phone. You're not going to be doing any of that. So it's literally a way to stay so attached to Allah that you're actually detaching yourself from the dunya. Now, remember what I was talking about desires in that fourth, sorry, in that third Muslim mindset. When you are praying, it's also a way to detach yourself from your desires because I'm not talking about making dua, I'm talking about praying. So when you're doing those actions, when you're reading those surahs, when you're doing the actual prostrating, etc., you're not thinking about all the stuff that's related to the world of what do I want in this world what do I want tomorrow what do I need for the future coming you're not thinking of all of that stuff when you're actually praying in that moment very there like you're literally praying and worshipping Allah now these are all elements of cleansing yourself you are cleansing yourself of this negativity from the dunya because we know that this dunya is not our friend it's actually just a test for us we should walk through this life like we're strangers and sometimes that can get very hard but when you're praying it's like a five times it's like in the day you are getting reminders five times five times you're getting a reminder in the day that this dunya is not your friend and that's why you need to come and worship me this dunya is not your friend and that's why you need to stand on this prayer mat and talk to me and worship me and detach yourself for 10 minutes this dunya is not your friend and therefore your job on this earth is to basically worship me because you are my slave that is literally what allah is telling us now this dunya quite literally is not your friend and the also sad thing about that is it's a bit juxtaposing because we're put on this dunya for for a reason and so we have to go through this life as well and what that means is that we do get attached to dunya it's only human but when you pray five times a day those are five opportunities during the day where you can say to yourself i am going to put everything to a side i am going to just focus on allah subhanahu wa ta'ala i just need to focus for 10 minutes if 10 minutes is too much you tell yourself for this one rukul, uh for this one rukul, like i'm literally just going to focus on the words i am literally reading whisper them out loud to yourself to actually understand what you're saying learn the meaning of those words and then when that one rukul is finished you get up you do the second one you do the third one before you know it, you've done the first, fourth one you can move on right okay let's do the next unit do you see what i mean and this is basically a way to actually detach yourself but also number two to actually establish khushu 
Khushu literally means the focus and the attention in salah. And it can get so hard. It gets so difficult without you even knowing or realizing how it started. Your mind begins to wander because, oh, I need to get this done. Oh, when I finish when I finish my salah, I'm going to go switch that candle off. When I finish my salah, I need to reply to that email. Oh, when I finish salah, I'm going to go get a, grab, uh, get a bite to eat. Why does she say that to me? But like, how would she talk to me like that? What, what does he mean when he texts this? Like, what does he mean when he says that? Oh, like, I don't know what I need to wear for tomorrow. I need to book the taxi all of this type of stuff it's all dunya related all of it and we let it basically get into our mind and and distract us from our prayer now maintaining khushu is a very difficult element of salah but it's something that we need to get better about there's no excuses for it it can get hard but that should not deter you you need to think to yourself okay but i'm still going to do a better job than what i'm doing right now one of the ways is to actually change your mindset and start seeing it as it's five times a day you get the opportunity to be cleansed by allah subhanahu wa ta'ala five times a day you are called by allah to cleanse yourself you are cleansing yourself even from the fact that you do wudu you are physically cleansing yourself when you're in prayer you are mentally cleansing yourself and when you make dua you are emotionally cleansing yourself and you get to do that five times a day which is just just phenomenal to me so these are the types of ways that we need to change how we view salah how we view prayer because yes it's a farad of course it is but no one said it was going to be easy no one said that this is going to be the easiest farad of your life but at the same time it may be a duty yet it's also an opportunity for us and to be detached from the dunya and to also have our du'as answered so let's just have a quick recap of these muslim mindsets that we've just gone through the very first one was that allah allowed you to pray you are not in control of that it's actually allah that allows you to pray now yes that could be a bit contradicting with the second muslim mindset shift which is no matter what you uh, what type of sin you commit you still pray because you're going to be thinking hang on if it's not in my control how am i then allowing myself to still pray yeah you're right but remember allah is also helping you on that journey you've got your own free will but the way that you attach to allah also helps you with that as well so what did we say with the second one shaitan sometimes makes you feel guilty for whatever sin you may be committing and telling you that you're not worthy of prayer you need to first of all you have control over yourself about how shaitan influences you that element you do have control over now the second element is about praying you need to establish a connection with allah and asking for that help which kind of relates to the first mindset of Allah allowing you to pray right it does connect the third one is that if you delay prayer Allah will delay the answer to your du'as you need to get into a habit where you are not delaying your prayer so yes you may be praying five times a day but how on time are those prayers how do you rush to pray the whole reason why adhan is even kind of like spoken out loud for us is to tell us that we need to rush to prayer we need to hasten ourselves and get there when you go on umrah when you go to saudi the minute that adhan is going sometimes even before the adhan has has even been played you are there ready and waiting to pray you need to get into such a habit where you are ready to pray. If you have a legitimate reason to delay your prayer, for example, you're at work and you don't get a break till later, makes sense. But you should not get into a harmless, innocent habit of delaying it intentionally. Because we know that when we delay something, Allah may delay the answer to our du'as as well. And number four, five times a day, you are called by Allah to cleanse yourself. We are cleansing ourselves physically via the form of wudu. You are cleansing yourself mentally through the form of praying and speaking those surahs and talking to Allah and 
asking Allah for what you want, which yes, relates to the dunya, but during the actual physical form of praying, you are relieving and detaching yourself from all worldly concerns and focusing just solely on Allah for five or 10 or 15 minutes. And these kind of mindset shifts and patterns are going to help you with how you view islam and how you view the third of prayer which actually at the end of the day is a gift that was given to us i hope that really helped with how you view prayer because we said we're going to better ourselves we said that we're going to improve ourselves and if you're a muslim you know the very first thing that we need to improve is our deen because that comes before anything else and ultimately one of the very signs of a muslim is the fact of whether they pray or not but to actually include this topic with what you guys think i actually reached out to you guys on instagram during this week on my instagram story at the word affairs if you don't follow me do drop a follow and check it out i left a question box on my story asking you guys about the types of things that you think about praying and so many of you gave incredible answers so let's just straight away get right into that because i want to know what you guys think when it comes to praying and any tips that you guys have to offer to any other listeners listeners I don't know what's happening to me today. Why am I mumbling my words? Any listeners out there? So Zara is starting us right off with learning about the punishments of not praying. Very truly scary because it will impact how you are in your grave and the journey in the grave as well. Um, Arya Chowdhury said, adding and basing my routine around prayer times in my daily to-do list and taking them off. I really like this because with mine as well in my planner, what I have done is at the top of every single day I have made five little tick boxes and next time I've written the letter of the prayer so it literally says F-D-A-M-I and it's got like a little tick box I tick them off so every single day I have to hold myself accountable and alhamdulillah it's been going really well so far Um, and it's also a way of like seeing how good you're doing with that um so yeah that really helps duology said realizing that whatever i have planned for the day will be delayed if i don't pray fact that kind of relates to our second mindset of if you delay prayer allah will delay the answer to your dua so yeah and knowing that day is not complete without salah if i don't pray maybe i'll be dead before i can make it up that one's really really like really harsh but in a way it is quite true as well because it relates to something else that someone said at the top and that was uh, Ihsan Hassan who said the fact that each prayer may be my last I see each prayer as a golden opportunity I can't remember who it was but I heard um, advice a long time ago of someone saying that whenever you stand to pray literally pray as if that's your last prayer and see the difference that it's going to make um anara said that being in a constant state of wudu helps definitely does it also helps for the women out there with your modesty because you know you can't um you can't make wudu when you've got your makeup on so it like kind of like affects that as well i've noticed that i have really had to change how i basically present myself and everything because i'm like and i know for a fact if i put makeup on i'm not gonna be able to do my wudu if i've got a full face on and that kind of like limits that as well um Nina said that um she still struggles but calls but the call to prayer on her phone combining it with other things helps in her routine um Zenat said that knowing one missed or delayed prayer equates to 80 years in Jahannam. I am really shocked because I think that's the first time I'm hearing that as well. Um, obviously, do your own research out there, but like that is very scary statistic, and that relates to what the very first one we had about basically learning about the the punishments of not praying. Um, the Studio 15 said knowing that God wants to talk to me. Essentially, Allah again, like we said, Allah is allowing us to pray, so we're allowed to. Um, 
Romana said that it's a routine. When you work your day around Salah times, it's a lot easier to not miss any. And Sahih Muslim 82B, understanding that as a Muslim, it's a must. Just the same way that eating is a must for us, the same way praying is as well. Anara also said that having my prayer mat and clothing ready in one area of my room. I like this because I've tried that at times as well where I know that I'm like, oh, like I need to, you know, quickly like go do something. But then what I'll do is I'll put my prayer mat out so that when I come back, I know I cannot be lazy about that. Um, Atika said that you feel, uh, sorry, she said taking notes throughout the day about anything I'm grateful for or du'as I want to make so you feel motivated to pray so you can mention them after in your du'as. I think that's really beautiful because again, it kind of relates to gratitude and being grateful as well links to praying because if we, Allah says, if you're grateful to me, I'll give you more. And that is a nice way of of, of showing gratitude and also holding accountable it also talks it also relates to what we said in last week's episode about showing gratitude and you can journal about that so that's a way of writing it down as well uh fizzy ali said if allah is angry with you he'll deprive you of salah act that is most beloved to him uh we can all pray consistently but how many do we how many of them do we pray with khushu now this is again great uh related to what we said about allowing you to pray so allah allowed you to pray that is the one thing that you have to get into the habit of start starting to think because if you are not praying then that's because allah doesn't want to hear from you as well and so i like how these kind of like reminders are all attached to the muslim mindsets that i've basically kind of like incorporated in today's episode uh, hafiza said it's the willingness to show your gratefulness to the one who will bless you and has in the past that's a really beautiful thing to do because we have to remember that our success comes from allah and actually reiterating that in our du'as and and doing that act of worship is showing that we're grateful for that kamar said that thinking to myself this could be my last time i get to pray death is unknown or the fact that the only thing that separates the non-believers from believers is salah this is so beautiful i think that also remember that by praying some people say like oh there's there's a difference between a visible muslim and a non-visible muslim we typically get told like women sorry women are very um visible uh, muslims because of our hijab and the way we dress but also the thing that actually literally differentiates us is our salah so like for example if you're at work and you work with many non-muslims during your breaks the first thing on your mind is going to be your salah because you know you need to complete that and so that also is a way of showing them like look this is how important my religion is to me i'm not going to let anything else get in the way of it and i need to make sure that i pray and you're not doing it to show people that's the truth like you don't do it to show people you're not doing it to look like hey look i pray you're not doing it for that you're doing it for allah but it's what kamra said in the fact that it's literally the only thing that separates us from the muslim and the non-muslims sorry it's the only thing that separates the muslims from the non-muslims is the fact that we pray if you don't pray and you're now into a habit of not praying it's a really scary reality because quite literally what is it then about you that you are like yeah like this is how i show this is how i show to allah that i am i am praying and i'm worshiping him basically we pray because that is the key fundamental aspect of being a muslim um Maliha Hussein said the thought that Allah gives my heart permission every second to breathe so that I can live I love that Manal said I constantly tell myself what if this is your last prayer it sounds scary but it works um the creator said i have no choice not to you know what's the point of losing out when it's three minutes or less of praying you're talking to the only person who will understand and guide you which is very true like literally to pray for further it does not take long sometimes what's so hard is actually making wudu which is harder um Umm zinhani said the fact that we have already witnessed so many signs of the day of judgment and it's very very near um and yasmin said once my quran teacher told me that the only thing that separates a muslim from a non-muslim um is literally praying which is what we've just talked 
choked out. Hijabi, the x-ray said that um, Allah, the only reason I'm praying is because Allah allowed me to. Dua as well. Literally what we said, guys. Malak Ahmed said that keep remembering God and listening almost daily to anything concerning religion and make uh, wudu before prayer time so yeah this is this is what i just think it's so beautiful like this is the small tiny little family we've created where we all feel and agree with things and we have different ways of motivating each other and i really hope that anyone out there listening to this episode if you were struggling with this before you um you know you've you've found some sort of motivation and some ways to change and shift the way you think and uh, but yeah i really hope that that was an inspirational episode we are going to wrap things up with a quick um reddit thread and yep yeah i know because i said i'm coming back with reddit threads of course um and then um that'll be the end of the episode but yeah let's just get straight into it with the reddit threads guys this is one that i have not read i just saved it based on the title which is would i be the idiot if i refuse to give my fiance money ever again my fiance and i have two kids we agreed that i'd stay home and care for them until they both go off to school he'd pay all the bills and such since it's been a lot cheaper for me to stay home versus sending our disabled child to daycare i received some money for christmas from my dad that he told me to spend on myself and the kids fiance found out about this money and asked to borrow it i told him i didn't really want to since we needed diapers and wipes and other stuff for our kids and i plan on buying those with the money my dad gave me my mum ended up buying them as a late gift Fiance decided to write out, oh my god, a contract that stated he legally had to pay me back in two weeks. I added in that if he couldn't pay it by his own deadline, that he'd owe an additional $100 and he'd agreed to that. He signed the contract and marked it with a thumbprint and everything. The first deadline was on the 13th this month. He paid me $5 back of the $125 he owed me by then. The second deadline is the 31st. He's now telling me he just can't pay it back and is saying that partners don't do this, that they're supposed to help each other out. I told him it was his idea for the contract and that he agreed to both terms. It's even on video of him signing it, by the way. My thing is, I wouldn't be so pressed about him uh, about being paid back if the day I lent him the money, he didn't decide to buy $60 worth of weed instead of paying his car note like he said he would. Oh my God. He's saying that I should be more than glad to help my partner who's struggling, which I would be, if he wouldn't spend his bill money on weed and the lottery. So I told him either he can pay back the full amount of $225 that he agreed to paying me, or he will get absolutely nothing from me anymore. I have zero income. The money I get is gifted to me by family or on the rare occasion from him. I've been trying to find a work from home job, but haven't found one I qualify for yet. And since he doesn't work a regular job, I can't just work on his off hours since he doesn't have a set schedule. Some days he works mornings, some days he works nights, and he doesn't know until the day or of the day before. Am I the idiot here? Edit. This got a lot more comments than I anticipated and I'm still trying to read through them all. I saw a lot of questions so I wanted to make an edit to answer as many as I can instead of repeating myself a million times in replies. When he and I first got together, he was doing a lot better financially. He wasn't spending his money on weed nearly as much as he is now. He was actually providing at first. Even when we had our first kid four years ago, he was still pretty good. We planned on stopping at one kid until our oldest was much older. So I'd gotten on birth control not long after having our oldest. My birth control ended up failing and I found out I was pregnant too late to do anything about it. At that time, things were still doing a lot better than they are now. So I figured things would stay good after having our second. When I 
I was still pregnant with my youngest, our oldest became disabled. She suffered a terrible fall that drastically changed everything for us. She's been in in and out of hospital more times than I could even count. It was sudden and unexpected. She was already receiving Medicaid, Medicaid, so medical bills weren't, sorry, so medical bills weren't and aren't an issue, thankfully, but her disability has still taken its toll on everyone. When he asked to borrow the $125, I told him no at first, but he kept insisting that he'd lose his car if we didn't make the car payment. It wasn't until he's answered a FaceTime call from his dealer with me sitting next to him that I found out he had used $60 of the $125 to buy weed. I saw someone say I smoked too in the comments. I don't. I tried weed once when I was like 20 and hated it. I told my fiance that I was okay with him smoking as long as it didn't interfere with necessities even before having kids with him. He seemed to be on board with that for years and years and then it's like a flip switched. I still don't mind his smoking just as long as our family needs are met first. I also saw some people suggesting to do Uber Eats and stuff like that. I definitely would but we are a one car family and he always has the car when he works otherwise I'd be out there doing deliveries. I have applied for disability for my eldest but the process is still ongoing so we haven't received payment yet. I do try to do service to make a little extra money every chance I get but I'm going to look into the work from home suggestions some of you had and try to get one ASAP. I do receive wick and ebt i'm not entirely sure what that means so i buy most of the food he buys anything extra and pays the rest of the bills or rather he's supposed to he doesn't tell me much about his finances so i don't know exactly how much money he has coming in and how much the bills are when i ask him he gets pretty angry so i just drop the subject a lot of people also suggested i should leave him i know that's probably for the better but it's hard when you still love someone he was a great partner for years before we had our first and he's a great father for a while after having our first i don't want to just throw that all away i hope i explain things a lot better what on earth is going on what on earth there is so much to unpack here first of all you clearly don't trust this man you are with a man who's your fiance but you've you've got two kids with him and there's no marriage clearly in sight like you know it's not been mentioned in there you've had two kids with him all of that stuff like then on top of that when he's asking for money you guys can't trust each other to a point where you had to write up a contract and then also sign it with your thumb and then also have it on video like what's going on here like that doesn't sound like a healthy relationship to me at all because how do you not trust each other with money now yes you are right partners are supposed to help each other out i personally believe like when it comes to finances finances is always such a sticky situation it's such a sticky conversation because nowadays you've got very different mindsets and views regarding finances and obviously those are the types of things you should look into before even getting involved with someone now people change their habits change and yes that's literally an example in this as well at the beginning he was great now he's not so great but like as a man and i know a lot of people get triggered when i say that but as a man how are you lying saying that you need that money to pay for your car and then you're using it on weed like she wanted to use the money for her children but you wanted to use it for weed those are very two different interpretations of finances to me and it's just really heartbreaking to even hear that like i feel very sorry for this woman i don't think that you know everyone everyone always jumps to this this conclusion of leave him leave her leave him leave her like it's really not that easy she's got two children with this man and she doesn't have a job she's not self-sufficient it's not as easy to say yeah like let me just drop him and also she does clearly love him you know yeah they don't trust each other when it comes to finances but like that doesn't mean that they don't love each other now it's just a whole sticky situation i think if anything it's a reminder of the fact that these are things you need to discuss obviously before you get married 
as Muslims. But the thing is as well, like in this example, people can change. And when they do change, you always need some sort of backup plan. Now, yeah, that could sound so negative and, and all of that type of stuff. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. Like, you know, you, you don't know what type of problem you'll get into later on in life. Um, and this is why for women especially, for women especially, I strongly think that education is something that is so important. Now, obviously, there's different elements and aspects to education. It may not just be, oh, getting a degree or thing. At least if you've got some sort of education, you've got some sort of qualification, some sort of experience that you can then fall back onto if you get in hard times. Like, this is what I mean. Women actually statistically are more likely to live in poverty than men. So that is also because a lot of them, um, quite a few of them actually become dependent on men, you know, when they've got to take care of the kids. There's nothing wrong with that. If anything, it's a very honourable thing to be a housewife and, you know, to to be the, the care the caretaker of the house and and the not the provider of the house but but the basically the one that's responsible for the home and the man you know is the is the um provider in many cases now when he's not doing a good job of providing sometimes men can then weaponize this against you and the sad part about that is because i'm sorry but like in islam especially that is your duty the same way it's a woman's duty to also like you know take care of that and also understand your roles when it comes to providing now that's obviously from muslim perspective and a general relationship perspective it's just the fact that there's no trust. There's literally no trust. You guys had to write up a, a contract and now he's not obliging by the contract he wrote up himself. There's just a lot. And it just makes you think that, wow, like there are really people out there who who do each other dirty like this. And a lot of the times, I'm going to say it how it is. A lot of the times men do women dirty because they think you're nothing without me. You're not going anywhere. You know, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? Like you're literally dependent on me. And that's very, very, an ultimate, very much an ultimate uh, way to weaponize basically that relationship against the woman and and i'm not saying it's all men obviously and equally women do this as well but again here we have another example of a man literally weaponizing against her because he doesn't like it when he doesn't like it when she asks about his finances he's like yeah i'm not paying you the money back it is what it is i can't pay it back he then took the money and spent it on something else and he's literally like very very weird when it comes to finances and now she's struggling it's just a very very messed up situation itself but again i think that we can learn from these situations and think of the things not to do obviously you you can't ever you can't ever like you know avoid these things happening you never know what's written in your in your destiny but at least you need to think and think of all the what ifs and think of all the plans because that is just that's crazy that's actually crazy i feel very very sorry for her and i just think that i really hope she gets out of that situation um and at the end of the day i personally think it's so sad that she was gifted that money and the first thing she thought was i'm gonna spend it on diapers and necessities and wipes like that like I think that's so sad that's a that's a gift for you you can spend that wherever or however you like treat yourself but the first thing she thinks of is her children yet when he got hold of that money the first thing he thought about was himself and this is why in islam when a man came to the prophet muhammad and said who should i live more out of my mom and dad the prophet said your mother three times and then he said your father yes fathers are providers and you know that is such a commendable role we'd be nothing without our mothers and fathers in general but this is an example of how self-sufficient sorry self-sacrificial women are when it comes to their children and i just think like it's just so sad honestly it's really really sad that that is even a situation that's happening it's just so heartbreaking um 
but yeah i would definitely not think that she's the idiot in that situation he needs to fix up um and i really do hope that it gets better for them but yeah i hope that um this was a very insightful episode for you guys inshallah we've got many more episodes coming on the word affairs uh stay tuned for those have a check of the other episodes we've um, been creating over the last few years and follow the instagram at the word affairs check out the website www.thewordaffairs.co.uk i will see you next week for another episode but until then inshallah take care